you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Show Chris Voss Show. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to do it this time. Have we done it a thousand million times before? But today, I, I don't know. I just don't. I, I'm. I think we should do something different. We do a different intro to the show every time. If you haven't paid attention, most people have to tune in just to see what our intro is going to be, and not singing it. Not going to do it. <laughs> should I do it, William? Yeah, go ahead. Go for there it. There you go. There is. Okay, we we've got vote one in. I will uh, second that vote. TheChrisVossShow.com. I don't know why people like that. It's the weirdest thing we invented <clears throat> like 20 years ago, and we stopped doing it. Everyone wrote us and said, you have to keep doing it. And I'm like, seriously? It was a bit for a week, folks, but there it is. We've been doing it for 13 years. Anyway, guys, we have an amazing author on the show. He's got a brilliant novel that he put out this year, and it's going to be a really interesting thing. Imagine the future. Imagine the future. No, that's not that's not that's not my Twilight Zone voice. But imagine a future where there's a second world war and baseball is Civil done. War. Civil War. What did I say? Second World War? Yeah, second, second Civil, Civil War. Civil War. I went to uh, public school, so, <clears throat> so I can't correct it there. You can tell that the author is upset with me in the back now. No. Uh, the, <laughs> the second civil war in America. And uh, baseball has died. And he writes this beautiful book about hope. Destined to Resurrection of Baseball. And in fact, the book is entitled The Death and Resurrection of Baseball Echoes from a Distant Past, April 26, 2022. William R. Douglas came out with the book. You can find it wherever bookstores. So we're going to be talking to him today as we've been, of course, having him butt into the show to correct us as well. But in the meantime, go to youtube.com where says Chris Voss. Subscribe to the show. The family that loves you but doesn't judge you, tell your friends and family. Sit down with them over Thanksgiving dinner coming up soon and say, I want everyone to sign up for the Chris Voss show or else no one's getting turkey. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Go to goodreads.com for says Chris Voss. Our big LinkedIn groups and LinkedIn stuff and all that stuff we do over on the LinkedIn. We love that LinkedIn thing. Anyway, today, our amazing author that we have on deck is William R. Douglas. He is a first-time novelist. After obtaining a journalism degree in 1980, his career took a turn down the road of information technology. In the IT field, he was able to enjoy writing, no matter if it was technical documentation, newsletters, or other material. He lives in the small town of McHenry, Illinois, with his wife, Lori, and cat, Peaches. And we'll probably find out more about Peaches later. They enjoy spending time with six kids and eight grandkids and are very active in their local church. Welcome to the show. William, how are you? I am outstanding, and I'm really happy to be on your show. Thank you for the opportunity, Chris. There you go. And we're happy to have you as well. Yeah. And uh, give us your dot-coms, wherever you want people to find out more about you on the interwebages. Sure. I author a website as is author, is com. There you go. There, there you go. go. Pretty simple. And this is your first book? 
Believe it or not, yeah, it's my my first novel. Can you believe it? There you go. Uh, hopefully, it won't be your last, and you'll uh, write some more. I don't intend it to be my last. So there you go. So you've written the new book, "The Death and Resurrection of Baseball: Echoes from a Distance Past." Did NFL kill football or, or baseball? What happens in this book? <laughs> Do the Raiders finally win something after uh, 100 years? It's set in 2166. So I imagine my Raiders have at least won another football game. Yeah, anyway. and hopefully the Bears too. There, there you go. Yeah. Them and the Browns and everybody else who's left out of the party. So all jokes aside, let's get to your book. What motivated you want to write this book? You know, back in like 2014, 2015, I had a thought to write a novel. It was, that, it was, that, it was a, a bucket list item. Hey, write a novel. There you go. I've been told that since, you know, high school days that I had a gift for writing, really enjoy writing. And so the storyline for this idea actually started to germinate right around 2014, 2015. And the first, there there are several ingredients that went into the storyline. The first one was an article I read several years ago about games that kids used to play before the Civil War of the 1860s. And now these games are extinct. And there's no knowledge of me. They're just lost to history. And then I read David Aikman's book back in the 90s, When the Almond Tree Blossoms. That was a, a very sobering book about a second civil war in America. That it Basically, it's, a, it's along ideological lines, conservative versus liberal. Hmm. That uh, next year? Or... That impact on me. Does that happen hope... next year? That seems like it might happen next year. I don't know. Oh, God, I hope not so. I read uh, William Fortune's novel, One Second After, which is about an EMP attack mm. on America that uh, puts us, uh, he, used, he coined the phrase horse and buggy mode. Oh. And I, I get into that in, in, in my novel. But anyway. I'm going to have a little hard time doing a podcast from Yeah, a very mode. hard time. Yeah, we'll just have to go to door to door with the podcast. Door to door, sign language and everything. Yeah. So. But and then, you know, just love the game of baseball since growing up in the 60s. Hmm. Uh, I coached my son all through his little league experience, and in the uh, in the late nineties and into the early and in, in the in mid you know two thousands up to about like two thousand four or so. Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed was is that at, at the youth level, there there's signs of trouble as far as the popularity of baseball. Now, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying that baseball is going to die tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Mm-hmm. But I just see some signs of, of trouble, and, and yeah. there's a, there's several things. Number one, you know, growing up in the 60s, we learned to play ball playing with the, what we call sandlot ball. Yeah, we found a vacant lot. Our buddies got together. We played ball without any adult supervision at all. Yeah. And we played it. If it wasn't every day, it was darn near every day. Mm-hmm. And it was that constant repetition over and over of throwing, catching, hitting, where you honed your skills. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we, we got involved in Little League as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and when I first got involved coaching Little League with my son, our local Little League had something like, I don't know, 60 teams in it or something. It was some wow. crazy number. And now they're lucky if they can get 12. Jeez. And you, you hear that from other other venues as well that that the the in town little leagues are starting to struggle mm-hmm. to get kids to sign up. Travel ball has gotten very popular. A lot of parents want to put their kids in travel ball because they do that kind of 
repetitive practicing every day and honing their skills. But the problem with travel ball is that you have to try out for it. Mm. And guess what happens? Sometimes, a lot of times you don't make the cut. I mean, they're only going to pick 12 or 15 kids for a travel ball team. And then that's it. So mm. and then you have, you have all these other factors that are competing with baseball. You have soccer that continues to grow in popularity. Video games uh, are and in recent too. times, lacrosse is getting very popular with the kids. Yeah, and, so and is football too. You know, let's face it. Of course, you know the kids love their screen time. They love to play games, Video games. On, their, on their phone, their iPad, whatever. And a lot of kids would would rather play baseball on a on a screen than to play it in person. Yeah. You know? That's very uh, true. I think video games have been the biggest detriment to sure. baseball and, and other games. That and athletics being taken out of so many schools now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I miss yeah. the old days of the PE teacher yelling at you like the sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. I miss sure. those days with sure. his 70 shorts and stuff. And Yeah. yeah. So you have, the, you have the, a, a smaller number of kids getting involved in baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what happens? They grow up. And now they're adults, and they're not fans of the game. So that's yeah. that's one red flag I see. And then on the adult level, you have adults that have been turned off by the game because of various reasons. You know, they're mad about the amount of money they make. They don't want to spend a hundred bucks for two people to go to a game. It's hard to watch the games now. I mean, you know, when I grew up, you know, WGN, which is a super station here in Chicago, you could tune in and. Watch just about any Cubs game you wanted over the air for free. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a well, I'm a White Sox fan. We had the same thing on a, on a less powerful channel, but you could turn to an end and watch the Sox game. And mm-hmm. now all, all it seems like all the all the clubs have their own sports TV package to watch the home games in your hometown. And some people just don't want to pay. They, they you know they it's a matter of principle. They don't want to pay for it. So. So you take all these ingredients together, and I think down the road, you know, you could say, well, what if, you know, if you follow this line 40 years from now, you know, what, what could happen? And, yeah. and that's what I do in my book. 40 years from now, baseball is on its last breath. There's been a three-year strike at the professional level. Mm-hmm. The kids would much rather do these other things than play ball. And then the Civil War comes in, in the year 2061. It's the... It's the proverbial nail in the coffin there you go i'm going to put that in when does it start i'm going to put that into my google calendar site uh, april 12 2061 i did that i'm a history buff the american civil war of the 1860s started on april 12 18 uh-huh. so are you are we technically refighting that war though no starts that you know uh, it, it's you know, in David Aikman's novel, it's, again, it's along ideological lines, conservative versus liberal. Now, in my novel, the, the war is in the past by 100 years, okay? The main character, Joe Scott, starts out in, in Chapter 1. Okay. He's 100 years removed from the war. The baseball has been dead for 100 years. Mm-hmm. It's extinct. There's not, a, there's not a person alive that remembers the game in the first person. Mm-hmm. There's some vague memories of it with some of the older folks, including the, the character's uh, grandfather, affectionately named uh, Grandpa Moses. But no one has any recollection of the game at all. Wow! And so, and, and that's part of uh, part of the fun of the storyline is is how Joe gets involved in accidentally finding a relic 
it's a tie back to before the war into the game of baseball mm-hmm. and a sequence of events unfolds where he becomes the focal point at, at trying to bring the game back and restoring it to the culture of, mm-hmm. of, a, re, of a rebuilt America. You know, I, there's a line that I'm trying to remember the movie it's from, but it was a, uh, it's a famous comedian's movie. I think it's the one where they go, he, he talks about how, you know, most people in an early age grew up with their fathers taking the baseball game back in the days when fathers were in homes and or more prevalent in homes, I should say. And the relationship he had with his father was going to the baseball game. And yeah. Well, they couldn't yeah. talk about a lot of stuff and there was a sure. lot of tension between him and his father. I don't remember the movie I'm thinking of, but. I think it was a movie where the the three comedian dudes they go they go on a trip to uh, be rodeo dudes to 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 run a herd. I don't know if that's ringing a bell at all, but he yeah. really talks about that. And it really yes. touched me that yes, a lot of people from the his generation. Yeah, and so does is is that basically the same sort of experience that this young man has? He finds a relic, and you talk about how this is a story of hope. And uh, how how does that play out? Or can, obviously, you can't tell us everything because it's a novel. But how, give us some teasers as to how that plays out. And and yeah, uh, so I mean, it's at the very beginning of the story. So I you know I don't I don't mind sharing a little nugget here. But mm-hmm. he goes exploring in the woods that for all his life and anybody's life that's alive has been a no man's land because it was a site of famous battle. In the Second Civil War, in fact, it's a, kind of an equal to the Battle of Gettysburg in the First Civil War. Mm-hmm. And there is a no man's land, and he goes exploring there, and he finds us an old rusty sign on a, a, a vine-covered fence. And the sign, barely legible, has the words, no pepper. Hmm. And, of course, if you're a baseball fan, you know that the words no pepper have a significant meaning because pepper was a game of, of a warm-up hand-eye coordination type exercise that major leaguers used to employ all the time. It's kind of fallen out of favor now. I don't know if they use it all that much anymore, but it was very popular back in the golden era of baseball. Hmm. So he finds his sign. He he brings it home. His father gets involved, helping to try and, and resolve, you know, what does the sign mean? Because nobody has any, any idea what it means. Then eventually his his uh, grandfather comes into the picture as well. So uh, as the story unfolds, the hope aspect comes into several things that are in the storyline that where kind of a reset has happened in America. You know, things are really kind of disjointed right now. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's obvious in the novel is that there's been a reset in the area of, of family dynamics and, and, and family dialogue. And one big thing I put in the novel is, is the restoration of, of what we all remember as the family meal, where it becomes mm-hmm. a routine every night to gather around dinner table and have supper and, and share in each other's days of triumphs and tragedies and, and how important that is, has been in the past, I think still is for some families and, and mm-hmm. could be again for many more. Yeah, yeah, and and is is there is there a societal struggle that has come from the Civil War that maybe you know the rediscovery of baseball helps maybe bring everyone back together? Is it- yes, the, I I was very full when I when I the, I mean the Civil War is a strong undercurrent in the story, being that it's in the past. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> but its destructive power was you know 
Well, you have to read it to, to see it, but it, it really devastates the country. I was very careful in weaving that part of the story in there in a totally apolitical way. In other words, there's no hint as to which side starts it, which side ends it, which side wins. Of course, I would argue that no side would win a second American Civil War. It would be the ultimate tragedy mm-hmm. of our republic. And so I'm very, very careful in the story that there's no hint of that at all. But what is what does come out in the story is that Americans have relearned the art of agreeing to disagree and of getting along with one another. Mm. Something I think which is badly needed right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it used to be that, you know, stuff like this brought us together. Baseball, yeah. you know, the American American pie, you know, baseball was a America is American pie and and everybody loved it. It was the American yeah. thing to do. Sure. And now we're polarized into, you know, all sorts of different positions of what we do and we don't we don't see what connects us. It seems I don't, yeah. I don't want to throw yeah. everybody in the same boat, but it, it seems that you don't understand what connects us as opposed. And you and baseball used to be one of those things, you know, baseball. Sure. As baseball you know, in every way, game. baseball is a metaphor, I think, for America, you know. That's an interesting and, perspective. Uh, Let's talk more about that. Because, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I agree. So I grew up in the era where baseball was a was a was a, still a big thing. I was a Dodgers fan. Tommy Lasorda, I think, should be president someday. Wait, didn't he pass away? Um, but I, you know, I was, I, I, I grew up with, I can't remember the Oakland A batter that was so amazing. And, uh, Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Garvey, Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey I, I was yeah. big, I was a big Steve Garvey fan growing up as a kid in LA uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I grew up a Dodgers fan and of uh, the Dodgers and, you know, it's, it's, you know, see the, those sort of things that connected us and that were just ideally American back in those days. And we could, yeah. we had an identity with it. Right. You know, where now we're more, I think our more identity is, you know, it's kind of ironic to say identity, identity politics. Yeah. And we don't, we don't see each other as Americans so yeah. much as, as we see each other as maybe politically divided. Yeah. But it's probably time for, you know, something like what you talk about to return to some of those core values of something sure. that connects us. Sure. And that, you know, the sport of, of, of men, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really interesting, you know, conversation when you think about fathers, when you think about men, when you think about athletics, when you think about baseball. I'm trying to think. I'm still just perplexed at the movie. I've been pulling up the movies thing. I know there's a there's a scene in the, the great movie Field of Dreams. Uh-huh. This father, and I can't, I can't quite recall it, but uh, it's, it's towards the end, I think, when he yeah. plays catch with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah a very powerful scene. Yeah, and and I can't remember the the comedian talked about it. Any other stories or teasers or characters of the book that you think stand out, or maybe snippets that you can tease out? That uh, yeah. So the character Grandpa Moses is is the main character, the twelve year old boy. His name's Joe Scott, and and his grandfather is affectionately called Grandpa Moses. That's his eternal grandfather, and he's in his eighties, but he's uh, still got his wits about him and uh, wants to go down with his boots on. And uh, very active, and uh, was a former congressman, and 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 uh, was term limited out. Uh, I put term limits in this story, but mm-hmm. but uh, he's a very very lovable character, and has, mm-hmm. has a huge influence on his grandkids. 
And uh, there's a couple of times when he sits down with, with Joe Scott and his, I guess you call it a grandfatherly talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's part of what I call in my book, the crucible generation. And I, I coined that term because after the civil war ends, the country is in such a shambles. It's in horse and buggy mode. And a main goal is just to survive. And mm-hmm. uh, he's a child of that post-war generation. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to get going again and rebuild things. And uh, he's a survivor. And that generation is, is held in in very high esteem, much like our our times, we still hold the the great the greatest generation in high esteem. Well, in, in the novel, the Crucible generation very highly regarded because of what they went through mm-hmm. after the war and just trying to survive, and then experiencing you know the different levels of rebuilding in the country that finally brought it back to where it was at before the war's outset. And I would imagine the storyline entails. Resurrecting baseball and having that something that brings us all together again, maybe his return. To yeah, absolutely. So maybe after the war, for sure. After the war, I mean, obviously there's parts of American culture that have, that have disappeared. As I said earlier at the opening of the segment, that when the war began, it was kind of like the nail, the proverbial nail in the coffin for the for the sport of baseball. And, and so America has come back at the beginning of the novel. We're back to where we were before the war started. So we've got self-driving cars, we've got domesticated robots and and some other things. And But there's parts of our culture that are missing. And we just don't know because it's been lost to history. And, and one of the things that happens in the war is that a computer virus comes and wipes out all data on, oh, on wow. all systems around the world. Nice. So that has a, a, oh. an incredibly chilling effect. And so it takes a long time to recover all this data because they have to go back and get printed material. They're using books from the Library of Congress, and they're trying to get all this stuff restored. Hmm. And so when he discovers this relic, they find out its connection to this extinct game called baseball. It really sets off a chain of events that first starts getting his little neighborhood excited, and then the town, and then pretty soon it, it starts to snowball from there. Wow. So, it sounds like a great way to resurrect, you know, a country that's fallen off of its mantle and, and gone awry. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 I, I grew up in the baseball era and I know that they've struggled recently with, you know, trying to speed up the game and yeah. do different yeah. things. Yeah. You know, they've got yeah. the graphic now where you can see the box. Right. That was one thing that did always used to bug me about baseball was, you know, the, it's, you know, where did, where was that exactly in the box and did that, Right, make the right call. You're like, I don't know. He might be getting paid off. I, I, you know, got paid off I remember you when I, I mean? was growing up, the box was the armpits to the knees. Yeah, yeah. And at and one it, point, it was like some of the guys were calling it, you know, from the waist and, until like mid chest, and it's like, man, that's a pretty small strike zone. Uh, sometimes you like, you know, you see some wild balls, and you're like, that's ah, not a strike. That's a ball. You know, you get yeah, right? all that. And, right. and I and I do agree they they need to speed up some of the pitching and stuff. You know, sometimes there's a little bit, you know, but that's part of the game is, is you know, psyching out the, 
the pitcher and the and the thing. But yeah, I think I think a lot of people grew up with the American Pie of it. I know. Uh, what do you think about what's been going on recently with the Aaron Judge thing? You know, having somebody who's you know, it's interesting on. you brought that up because uh, I was talking about that just the other night. Is, mm-hmm. is, uh, of course, you know, we had the what we call the steroid era in baseball. Yeah, and then Aaron Judge hits the sixty second home run. Yeah, and the son of Roger Maris says or declares him the, the, the quote, the clean home run king. Wow. Thought, wow that's, <laughs> that's pretty powerful. I think um, it is because you know? it's a testament to a man on his own. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. I, I go to the gym, I lift weights, I, I don't juice, I don't, I don't want to get involved with steroids. There's a cheat that's there. I mean, are those guys exemplary athletes? Maybe so. Yeah. But there's an there's there's an edge, and having somebody do it clean, I think just speaks to the speaks to the quality of the sport, the quality of the athlete. Sure, yeah. that's what true athleteism is. Because yeah. you know, I mean, I do some of my I I mean, I probably can't say anything. I do some of my best podcasts jacked up on high end caffeinated coffee, <laughs> but you know, well, a double latte, <laughs> double latte. It's, it's kind of a quadruple one actually. But uh, you know, I mean. I mean, to me, that's the respect of the sport, the, yeah. the power of the man right. in the arena without without any aid other than, you know, there it is. So yeah. I, I think it's great, and I think it's probably going to be good for the game of baseball. Yeah. I still love the game to this day. I went to a Dodgers game several years ago. Like I say, I think Tommy Lasorda was, is, is, is a god in my mind. I, I'll always be a Dodgers fan, you know, growing up in L.A., I'm a Raiders fan, a Dodgers fan, till the very end. Fortunately, this is the Dodgers win more games than the Raiders do. So there's that. Maybe you yeah. should do one on the resurrection of the Raiders in 100 <laughs> They might win a Super Bowl or two. You know, uh, your Dodgers beat my White Sox in game six of the 1959 World Series. I was about four months mm. old at that time. So so was, was that like when uh, Tom Brady stole the uh, Super Bowl from us with the tuck rule bullshit in 94 <laughs> or 95? No comment. I'm still sore about that. I, I, I'll give you Tom Brady is the GOAT, but I still want that Super Bowl back. That yeah. one's got to come off the list. Yeah. So I might. I might take a picture with Tom Brady if I see him, or I might, you know, tell him I don't like him because of that. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard call. But yeah. uh, the movie that I was thinking of was the movie Sitter, C- City Slicker uh, yes, with Billy yes, Crystal. Yes. That was the scene. That was that hilarious. Movie. I love that movie. Great movie. Yeah. And I, yeah. I believe there's a scene that he talks about it, and I've seen him talk about it in real life. Was it with Billy Crystal? Billy Crystal, yeah. You seen with him? Yeah. Yeah, it's a real story about how, you know, him and his father couldn't talk, but the one thing they could always do is they grew up sitting down watching the baseball game. Right. And, uh, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, it, it it is harder on families to go to the baseball game. Evidently, some of the new stadiums they built, you know, people are yeah. priced out of them. I mean, the NFL's done the same thing. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you can't do that thing where you and your dad could go to the baseball game and, you know, now, now uh, fathers are thrown out of the homes in mass, and and so many of them uh, single parent homes are like huge. Yeah. You know, people don't have that relationship where you could, you know, have a dad and son relationship is kind of always tough, you know, because yeah. dads are tough and dads try and prep you for the world, so they they try and teach you the world's tough because they yeah. they know what you yeah. got to go through. They try and prep you. You know, my dad was always trying to teach me things about, you know, I need to learn, you know, and I'd be like, I don't want to mow the lawn it's stupid and it's pain in the ass and you know he was trying to teach me life lessons yeah you know, which is what fathers do but i have so, a line i use with my grandkids that are in grammar school i tell them 
study hard because the world is a cruel place for dummies. There you go. That's very true. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to learn, be dumb because it's going to be cruel. It's cruel if you're smart too. So uh, the, the less that, that's true. The, the more the less smarter yeah. or the more dumber. I don't know which is the appropriate way to say it because I clearly flunk school. It it can be painful. So definitely yeah. make it less. Anything more you want to tease out in the book before we go? You know, I, I think the, the the ending part when people get to the end, they're just like. They're awestruck. <laughs> so wow. I, I won't even g- give a clue. It's just you, you got to get to the end. I, I referenced earlier that Jackie Robinson makes an appearance in the book. Ah. So I'll give me a little clue there. And, and there's a couple of there's a couple of tips of the hat to uh, the Field of Dreams and, and uh, Sandlot, two of my other favorite baseball movies in, in, in addition to 42. There's also, you got to look for them, but there's lots of, baseball names and phrases that are kind of woven uh, into the story that uh, some people have picked up on that. So some, some pretty famous names. There you go. We just had, uh, we mentioned we were talking this in the pre-show. We just said Michael G. Long has written a couple, several books on, on Jackie Robinson as well. So yeah. check those shows out. Right. And uh, what an amazing athlete he was. And Absolutely. Uh, you, you wonder when you look at his story, if it hadn't been for all the crap he had to put up with, the racism, the, you know, people trying to sabotage him at every length. I mean, they would throw things at him from the stands while he's trying to hit a ball. Yeah, yeah. You know, you think about all the stuff that he put up with from a mental standpoint and physical standpoint, how much greater he really was. He was an incredible athlete at, at all different sports when he was young. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we see more of what's going on with what's his face in baseball. The gentleman Very who just, yeah, who yeah. just hit the new uh, yeah. records there. Absolutely. And uh, is, is, is the season over? Can he get more or is he, is it done? Season's over. So if he gets okay. any more, it wouldn't count as a regular season. Ah, but he matched. That's postseason now. So he, he I want matched. to add, you know, one other, uh, other thing I hope people take away is that because I'm seeing this in the reviews is that when people get, done with the novel it's invoking very strong memories of childhood Hmm. and also it's making them really take a step back and think about where we are at currently as a nation Hmm. and where we could be headed because the trajectory we're on is not a good one if if you follow it to its its final end point it's a potentially very frightening scenario so people are thinking about that as well when, when they when they get done reading the novel so yeah, the the reviews are beautiful. What a beautiful novel of relevance, uh, depicting me how things might be. And uh, whether you're a fan of baseball, a patriot, or just a heartwarming story, you won't be disappointed reading the book. Lots of great reviews on the thing and the five-star category. So people really loved it so yeah. far. Yeah. So uh, order it up and uh, give me your dot-coms where people can find I, you on the I interwebs. Mean, I wouldn't be very good if I didn't do this, right? There we go. Woo. Yeah, plug the book. <laughs> it's all about the plugs. So... Yeah, obviously Amazon, Apple Books, Google, even Walmart online, Barnes and Noble online. I would really appreciate your support if you're a fan of baseball, if you care about our country and where it is is and could be headed. And I uh, would really appreciate your support and reviews and and get a get a, you know, a real real big head of steam going on this thing. So there you go. Order up the books, folks. Wherever fine books are sold, remember, stay out of those dark alleyway bookstores. You might need a tetanus shot if you go into them. The Death and Resurrection of Baseball, Echoes from a Distant Past by William R. Douglas. William, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, sir. It's really been a pleasure, Chris. Really appreciate the opportunity. I've had a lot of fun.
It's been fun. We've been going through Americana. Absolutely. The Sandlot. You know the you know you know that guy with the funny face, red hair, kind of a fat face from yep, Sandlot. Yep, yep, yep. He's on TikTok. Oh, is he? Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. making like little videos, kind of referencing the Sandlot. So okay. You should, maybe you should link okay. up with him and send him a book or something. But he's over there, and he's he 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 kind of looks a little bit. You know how those kid stars kind of look like they, they are when they're older. Uh-huh. Kind of the same sort of look. So it's kind of uh-huh. cool. That was such uh-huh. a great movie too. Yeah, that was such. Yeah, a great in, movie. in the book, there's a. The kids play a sandlot game with no adults. So. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Another tip of the hat. <laughs> All right, bud. Thanks for tuning in to my audience. Be sure to go to YouTube.com, for says Chris Foss, Goodreads.com, for says Chris Foss, all the places we are on the interwebs. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. God bless, everybody.